Welcome to the Protectors <laughs> Zoom meeting with the main men. We have Niall <laughs> and John Shanahan, the main men in Cardiff. Matt, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks. So, uh, Niall, I'll start with you first, mate, because you're, you're a natural. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Niall, do you want to introduce yourself? And I'm sure lots of men in, Ca- men in Cardiff will know who you are anyway. I'm Shanahan, um, 29. I'm very hot at the moment. My missus got the heat on me doing this Zoom meeting. I've got a week flush. So, uh, yeah, I've got, um, I've got a barber shop in, in Rumney with my brother John Shanahan called Room Barber Shop. Um, I've been cutting here for roughly 13 years this year. Um, we've been working really hard on the shop for the past three years, um, you know, just to, 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 to keep in our industry and try and offer something completely different between traditional barbering and your modern day groomed male. Um, the reason we team up with the protectors and, and mental health awareness is because I think that it, it goes hand in hand what we do day to day. Um, I speak to God, it could be, it could be up to 40 different people a day if I'm, in, if I'm introducing myself to all the clients that come through the door and otherwise my extended clientele. And the amount of stories that you hear Day to day, I really think that our industry can make a difference with, uh, with mental health awareness. So that's why we're on board with the protectors. Nice to have you, mate. Thank you for coming. John, you're up next, mate. Yo. Yo. Okay, guys. So I'm John Shanahan. I am um, a business owner. I've got a company called JDS Fire and Security. So I've been doing that since I was 16. So it's a long time. I'm 35 now. So it makes me feel a little bit older. When I um, when I when I cast my mind back to sixteen, and of course I'm the co-owner of Room Barber Shop with Nile. It's like as you could imagine, they're completely two opposite ends of the spectrum. I own a, a contracting company that specialises in fire and security and, and that kind of stuff, and then I'm in partnership with Nile with this male grooming. It's the completely opposite end of the spectrum, really. But um, but it just seems to work. I think when things are random, it just seems to work, you know. And I got a, I got a genuine passion for both of them. JDS, I suppose, is my baby, and then Room's my bit on the side, really, and it's Niall's baby. But um, I got a genuine love for it both, you know. Awesome, mate. Thanks, thanks for uh, thanks for being here. I really appreciate it. No worries. So, obviously, I want to pick your brains, lads, over the past, well, since what March, we went into like a, a lockdown with COVID and stuff. There's been lots going on in terms of first lockdown. How was that for you guys during that time? Obviously, it's a massive change to anything we ever experienced previously in, in our lives. But how has that been for you guys? Um, from JDS's point of view, initially, it was like, oh my God, what's going to happen here? Because no one could expect it. And to go into this lockdown where all of a sudden everything's being closed, and not a lot of people... Um, geared up for that in business because you never think these things are going to happen fortunately i've always had these kind of contingency plans and these what's the you know if someone just drop a bomb on our office how could we still trade so in terms of the business still running i wasn't worried about that because everything all the systems we use are cloud-based and you know we're pretty geared up to just work from a van if you like from an engineer's point of view yeah. it was more for the restrictions of going in out of people's properties 
I mean, the first week of lockdown, we were told we had to social distance and all of this uh, to write all these risk assessments and method statements. And within the first week, our engineers had to work in a lift shaft with lift engineers. And we had to go completely against all of that because it was within two meters. And it was quite, um, it, it was odd. It was, a, it was an odd time, really. But ultimately, our accreditations went full throttle and they had to class our trade as, as key workers, really, because... You know, if you think of nurses, for example, they got homes to go to. They might live in an apartment block. You know, there's a fire alarm. If that fire alarm is not serviced or in fault, then you know it might not perform. So we've got to go and respond and and um, and repair the faults and stuff. So we had to remain, you know, live and kicking, really. Yeah. Um, it, it was weird. It was strange. But I think the first week I thought I'll try the whole work from home. Maybe I'll just. But it, it just, it's just easier for us to keep, we need to go into the office every day. It's only a small office, keep yeah. the cogs going. And, and we just we just went at it, really. From the barbershop point of view, was the panic. Because then, of course, the next phone call was right now. Yeah. You know, we, we got to not cut it here is easy. You can lock the shop and go home. Yeah. But you've got to take into account that we employ barbers. So we've got to worry about their wages. We've got rents to pay and, and bills and taxes and like the rest of us. So... We literally have to just break it down and say, right, how do we, how are we going to attack this over the next month or two? But then, of course, it dragged on for months and months, didn't it, night? And then we kept having yeah. to revisit it, you know? From a, um, from a, from a personal point of view, um, just to put things in perspective at the start of this lockdown, I think it was slightly different to John's industry. When you figured out that he could still trade, you know, the things could go on, maybe not as normal, but they could still continue and they could still do their work as though, because they are key workers. Um, from my point of view, it's completely different. I've been a barber forever. This is all I know. And we, we got told, literally, I cannot trade. I can't cut hair. I can't work. I can't earn money. Yet, all the outgoings are still going. But they, they were still going on. They still need to be paid. So this was a massive shock to the system for me. Um, funny enough, just to, just to put it like a little personal thing out there, I went up a shop to, um, to call some of our clients that we had in... Um, following on from the lockdown just to let them know that we won't be cutting it, we won't be cutting it here and I was sick and you know I, I had a little cry out of panic and out of worry and anxiety and it was just the maddest experience ever um, following on from that and obviously when we found out that we had some more financial backing from the government although it was little and that the boys could be put on furlough and things like that things began to seem a little bit more comfortable and then it was just like, right, John, what do we do and how do we, how do we utilise this time wisely? Our boys are employed to be the barbers. A lot of barbers, it's quite common for them to rent chairs or be self-employed. But our lads are all employed. So we kind of made them a promise that one way or another we'd see it okay. And then obviously the furlough kicked in. The money didn't come straight away. So we, we, we funded their wages and claimed it back each month. But that was kind of... Our first thing was keep them sweets because that's our, that's our, our boys. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then yeah. Um, okay. and then we and then we kind of did things like our rent, for example, and our our you know things that we do for the shop. We normally pay three months in advance. That's quite expensive. So we just spoke to the landlord and said, look, we want to pay every bill. We don't want to come back and and be you know in the red. So rather than pay you all this money in advance, can we pay you monthly just for this period? And they were like, that's fine. They're getting their pay. And then if, you know, if shit did hit the fan, at least we haven't emptied the bank to, to pay everything, you know? So we just kind of micromanaged it and thought, how can we sensibly do this until we can open, really, from the barbershop side of things? 
So, so obviously, you know, you guys are very successful in what you've done and what you've achieved in terms of JDS and Room. What I want to pick your brains on is to go from a massive change. I know Nal touched on it briefly earlier. Um, to go from cutting air to you know eight eight hours, nine hours a day, wherever it is, to nothing. How how were you coping with that now, every on a on a day to day basis? After golf. After golf. <laughs> that was the thing. See, even the golf course, even the golf courses weren't open the first few months, so there was nothing to to occupy the time. For me, I need to be occupied. Like we're we're what four days in to this firebreak lockdown, if you like now, yeah. and like I'm losing, I'm losing my mind already. I like to be busy. Um, I speak to what is it? But let's let's say between ten and fifteen people a day, maybe, maybe even more with the clients who maybe not sat in my chair in the shop, but they're in the shop. Like you know, I yeah. interact with people daily, and they're kind of my uh, my saving. Like they're like kind of they kind of like my saviors, if you like, because like, they take your mind off everything. Like you know, and it, it after the first lockdown, it really really um it really really what's the word I'm looking for now. Um, put things into perspective. Put things into perspective that my day, my day-to-day life, and talking to people does have a massive effect on my personal mental health. Don't forget, you spent a bit of time in the office for me as well, and we we use that time to update the website. We made plans. We we went through all the things that had been lingering, and sat down. We checked stupid things like the images of the products we sell. We updated all that, didn't we? And we. We gave it a good overhaul while you had that time to sit down in the office for me. Oh, big time, yeah. Once once that first initial shock was over, we definitely used our time wisely. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, we renovated the shop. Yeah, there wasn't a day that went by that we didn't focus on the shop and, and go from there. But as far as the knocker, and to answer your question, on, as far as knocker in here was concerned, I found it really difficult, I'll be honest with you. Like, if I didn't have people like my brother, my, yeah. other, my brothers, my continued family, um, yeah. Yeah, it, it was. It would have been a lot harder. But it's just mad, isn't it? Like you're probably going to work all day and standing on your feet, and oh god, it's yeah. busy and it's always busy, and all of a sudden they're all gone, and you're like, oh please, boys. Yeah. Can we have one? <laughs> I know. I know. John mentioned it a bit earlier. Like, obviously, you know, you had to. You've got your staff. How many staff you got? Was it? Is it five? Is it five boys you got? Five. Pens, you know. Six. Is it? Yeah. Yeah, six pens. Oh, yeah. It was a scary time, obviously, not just for you know everyone you know who were employed during that, that first lockdown. How did you support them during that lockdown? Because, like you say, now you went from seeing seeing not just you know your staff, but also your mates as well, I suppose, in a way. They are, they are my friends. Yeah. Um, WhatsApp group. Just, yeah, just keeping in touch on the WhatsApp group. Like I, I won't, I won't lie. I think some of them quite enjoyed their time off. <laughs> <laughs> well, you would, wouldn't you? I mean, they went off with an eye on full pay. They don't have the stress. Like, obviously, they didn't like being on 80%. But yeah. I mean, if you said to someone, right, guys, you are, drop 20% of your pay, but sit at home for three months, you can't say no one's going to enjoy that time off, like, you know? Yeah. And at the same time, I'm not saying that I didn't enjoy the odd one or two days where I thought, Do you know, I would actually be ran now and I'm never going to get this time back. Yeah. I've got a young daughter, didn't really spend much time with her since she was born. So we put all those factors in into play. And yeah, you know, some days we're positive. But as far as supporting the boys, it was just um, generally keeping in touch. I had them up for the day, giving me a hand when we, were, when we were doing some works on the shop, moving some chairs and things like that. And um, just keep, just yeah, just generally keeping in touch. Like, you know, not only that, I think, I think having a break from each other is quite um, healthy anyway. 
because as barbers, yeah. we really on top of each other all day. It's a really intimate trade. And, you know, I'm stood literally bum to bum with Jake, who's next to me. He stood right next to Jeff and, and so on and so on. And uh, you can get on top of each other sometimes. And if one's having a bad day and the other one's having a bad day and whatever, I think sometimes that time off for everyone could have been a blessing in disguise. From their end, but obviously not from a business perspective. So, um, all me and John were taking the, taking the pressure of the finances and the out and uh, everything else, making sure to keep them on board with us and everything. You know, trying to keep them positive. We took the stress of that by making sure that they were constantly updated with their pay, how they're going to get paid, when we're going to be back to work, and what changes we're making in the shop to make their job better when we, we, we were back trading. Like, you know? yeah. Well, the way we looked at it, like to have the shop closed for that amount of time, the amount of renovations we got to do, which you couldn't really do when the shop was open, like we had the floor done, you know, it was a big job. We, we had to dig it out, level it. It was a massive job. We did all behind the till. We put all these anti-fatigue mats in, didn't we? For the, so we just basically took that opportunity to, to get a shop exactly where we wanted it to be. We brought it forward, really. And we, do you know what I mean? So, so yeah, so you, you were like being really like sort of productive, and proactive, ready for yeah. back to normal. Yeah. And it seems it seems a bit ass backwards that when you've been closed and you're not earning money, to then go and spend money on it. But yeah. we've never had that time back. And yeah. we look back now already and think, well, that's done now, it's a tick off the list. Yeah, yeah and that's, that's, that's awesome, that is, John. That's awesome, because obviously it's, it's that mindset, isn't it? It's using your time wisely. Yeah. But Niall was definitely dying to cut here by the end of it. You were lost in the end, kind of. There was no routine. Yeah. You, were, you said you were waking up when, whenever you woke up and you used to have a little moan to me, didn't you, and say, I, I can't, can't cope with this now. I, I need to have the routine of working. Well, I was, I was stuck this week trying to enjoy it, obviously, because I had no choice. I can't work. And I wasn't at the time. I wasn't going to go with mobile because it wasn't morally right. Um, carrying the reputation of the business and things like that. You wouldn't want to be that one barber going around to houses yeah. during the middle of a global pandemic. Not even mm. risking other people's lives as well. And I'm not a bowler. So also, you didn't need to because financially yeah. you're okay. So there was no need to risk it. Of course, but as far as um, like keeping my mind occupied is where I'm, where I'm going with it. I didn't necessarily think that it was appropriate to go around cutting hair. So for me, it was like trying to find a balance between enjoying my time off in the weirdest possible way. While we were under pressure business-wise to a degree in the middle of a fit out and, you know, wondering if we're going to run out on money and things like that. And, uh, and yeah wondering when we would get back to getting here. I'll be honest, it was probably the maddest time I've ever experienced and probably well well ever in my in my short business life I've had so far. Yeah, I bet mate. I bet. And and for John as well, obviously, because he's he's in exactly the same boat as me with the business, the barbershop, maybe not so much with JDS. Yeah. It is me, I was I ended up being busier because I had the things I was doing with now with the barbershop and JDS, the admin side went busier because everyone was home. And they were just pumping their keyboards more often. So my the trail of emails and stuff, it just didn't stop for me. So I actually, although I was overloaded, I felt quite grateful that I was still in work, earning money. Yeah. I didn't have that stress. My stress was just making sure that my team at JDS, as well as the barbershop, was still being paid, you know, and getting having the work. Yeah. Outside this perspective, John, even and, and as my brother, like I I've never seen him so busy during these times, boys. It was mad. As, as one business completely, if you were to look at our graphs throughout the year, which tend to just do this, yeah, we literally plummeted and went zero 
Yeah. And John seemed to be getting busier and busier and busier. Mm-hmm. And it, was, it was nice to see how two businesses can do completely differently in um in a in one situation, like you know. It's like it was like yeah. a fly or die situation. COVID's like a fly or die for business, I'd say. I do feel really sorry for um especially people like the gyms and stuff, because I just think you put so much time and effort into businesses and you don't really get to a point where you just got loads of money and you spend it. You get to a point where you go, we just invest again, we need to spend again. Like if it's a gym, you know, like Jordan, for example, you mentioned earlier with you fit, you can see he's then doing the same as we've done the shop. He's buying new gear, he's doing the gym up, he's putting all these safety things in, in place. And you know, that all costs time and money. And yeah, you know, but at the same time, he's the one, these gyms are the people that are being like kind of attacked at the first. They've got to close and there's no income then. Exactly. And it's not cheap to, 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 to pay for these buildings, you know? No. Especially a gym. I suppose a gym, again, is, 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 even, is even more of a heavier outgoing. Like, you, you, you can't have a small gym. Can you? If you look at, like, the likes of mm-hmm. Evolve, his gym, and Jordan from UFIT, just for an example, their, their buildings are massive, massive overheads. Mm. And that's one thing I want to touch on. Um, I'll do it now, actually, is... You know, you boys, you know, Niall, cutting hair, you know, you know, John, you see lots of boys, you have lots of boys working for you, is the closing of gyms has been a massive, massive sort of subject within Wales, especially, and there was that stuff on the news with that, um, was it, is it John Capo, the, the guy from Liverpool? Right, Liverpool, yeah. I followed that, yeah. Um, what, what do you think, what, what's your stance on the whole gyms and closing with regards to the second lockdown? I mean, you know, when, when they announced the lockdown, they said it was only two weeks. I thought, that's not the end of the world for a lot of business, really, because two weeks flies by. And realistically, you should be able to survive a couple of weeks, I suppose. Yeah. But I don't necessarily, I don't, I don't train, you know, I'm not some athlete. I don't go to these gyms day in, day out. I haven't got a strict routine. One month I'm training, the next month I'm not. You know, but for me, I'm a member of a, a gym local to me, cheap and cheap, so I hit the treadmill. So if I don't go, it's not the end of the world because I'm probably due to miss a few weeks anyway. Do you know what I mean? But I don't see the point in it really closing if, it's, if you know, they tiered it. And when you're at the lower end of the tier, I, I don't see why, why you should. I mean, the gym I go to, they're religious. You go in, there's plenty of hand sanitizer and wipes. They've got a hands-free way of entering the gym through a QR code. Everyone you can see in the gym it's being really sensible, wearing their masks in between operators. You know, they're, they're coming off the machine, they're wiping down with the, the, the products provided. So it is a bit unfair that they've put all these strict things in and then they're just closing them down. And I just think for some people going to the gym, it does help their headspace a bit and clear their mind. And if you rely on that, um, I, I feel sorry for people like that. Matt, what, what's, what's your stance on it, mate, on, on the gym closures in, in Wales? Um, as, as the boys have said already, it, it does help with people's mental health training, mine as well. And having to train out the garden for three months on the first lockdown and um, using kitchen stools and everything, you know, it just changed the whole thing for me. But then to get back into a nice routine, try to get back to shift the weight that I'd put on over the first lockdown and then be told to close again, I just think the there's all the measures being put in place to make it safe, as John said. But then I think they just quick to assume that that's where most people are contracting COVID-19 when if they probably dug deeper, it's probably from having parties and piss-ups in their own house. 
Oh, definitely. Oh. I, I think I think they really should investigate it a bit more as to if where people have sort of contracted it because a lot of people do rely on it. Right? So a lot of people like to hit the punch bag to get frustration out, or they like to hit the weights, or you know, chuck a set of headphones in and run. Yeah. But I found that when I was just sitting in the house, they taken like I fortunately I got to go to work, but then they took the gym away from us. Then you had to stay in your locality and. It's like they take everything away, but expect you to manage. Mm. It's like you, 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 you can only buy essential items now in supermarkets. Then you can't go to the gym. You have to wear a mask everywhere. And I don't know about everyone else, but I find masks can be claustrophobic. And I've had borderline panic attacks when I've been wearing them sometimes. It just depends how I'm feeling. But to, to have to work out with a mask on as well, I find even more difficult. But I just think they've been too quick to assume and just shut everything down when, if you look at the, the bigger picture, <clears throat> you, they can see by the amount of people that signed the petition that go into gyms has a positive impact on them. And mm. I just think, yeah, it's wrong. I think definitely could minimalize the amount of people that visit, and, but I'm sure they're doing that anyway. But if... If two meters is the rule and wearing a mask is the rule, where's the issue? If you're, yeah. if, you're, if you're doing both of those things, then why can't they let you train? I think, um, I think as well, what people forget is that for a lot of people who don't see friends, family, because of the local lockdowns, going to a gym, you're seeing people interacting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm moving from home, so like, I, I see my missus and I see the dog. Um, but I'm, I don't see anyone from work, you know, and, and for me, going back into a routine was going to the gym at like six in the morning, getting it done, then, then obviously going into work back at home. So for me, it was just like a chance to set that routine again and like getting mm. it done early in the morning. I'm a massive routine person, me. Yeah. And I like my routine. Niall, I want, I want to pick your brains now on, um, obviously, you've come back after the lockdown, the first lockdown. What's been the, the, the general feedback from, from, obviously you see loads of, loads of um, especially you see loads of men, I suppose. Uh, and what's oh, been yeah. the general fee, the feedback from, from people after, after the first lockdown? I, I don't even know where I could start, Ron, to be honest. Like, I, I, have the, I probably have the same conversation, to start there off, I, I have the same conversation about COVID 13 times a day. But now that's hard. Because it's, oh, this is mad, isn't it, bro? Yeah, mad times are going through, isn't it? God, I bet it's a nightmare wearing a mask, isn't it? And it's repetitive. So I have to relive COVID every hour of every day. And it's hard for me to stay positive because, yeah, it no, doesn't you can't buy it, you don't. Of course I don't because we've got to shut this down. And it's just me and you, we've got our masks on and we just go for it. And we have a good moan, like, you know? But when you've got, when you've got to try and stay positive with everyone, keep your customer service level there, while you've got something suffocating you and something yeah. in front of your eyes, it's, it can be quite difficult, I'll be honest with you, especially when I'm meticulous in the way that I like to work and this stuff is just getting in my way, you know? So um, to answer your question, when it comes to the clients, I think the general society are just kind of going with it. Um, obviously, everyone missed their haircuts. I've got weekly clients, bi-weekly clients, monthly clients and whatever. And uh, God, their hair was long when we got back to work. That was the first hurdle was get everyone's hair cut off that was the hard thing running on time obviously we've been sat at home for god knows how long so we were out of practice so once everyone was cut and looking fresh again 
I think that brought everyone's spirits up a little bit. How, how, it's massive. How did you how did you manage me from going from like doing like obviously you were quite busy um, yeah. with the shop, but the boys who were probably off work for, for quite a, quite a while. How did you get them motivated back into it? Or did you need to, or were they already up up for the job straight away? We're really really. Totally were sacked if they didn't get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> Now that staff are good as gold, honestly, boys. Like I, I'm not just saying it. Um, they are, they are top, top draw yeah. boys. I mean, they're, they're hand selected, like you know. I mean, yeah. the way that we work it, we're so busy. Um, we run such close time slots. Yeah. Um, you, you've got no choice when you've got a, when you when you walk in and you've got that many people booked in. You just have to tackle it head on. And in fairness, our boys were absolutely buzzing to come back to work. Mm. They were buzzing to have a banter again. We are like a little family. We do each other's head in as much as we love each other. And uh, I didn't have a problem with that. I'll be honest. Our boys were, were, were rearing to go from, from the word go. They, were, they couldn't wait to get back to it. Um, obviously, then after the first two weeks rush, that was hard to get them motivated. We just started lobbing it. We just lobbed everyone's hair off. And then it's getting back into the routine then. Yeah. You know? Um, then it's just... And then it was just fight through. And it was a bit of a dip because it was like bloody hell. Bit tired in you because you have to work hard in the first few weeks. We yeah, don't that was the do, didn't we? We um, a few yeah. weeks in, we when when the dust settled and the restaurant was open, we, we took out for a bit of a staff night out. And we we went out and had some food, and it's amazing what a, a chin wag over a beer and some food. Yeah, um, can do for the moment. team. Like, um, yeah, a really good moan. I think that's, yeah. that's the general consensus with barbers is we like a moan as well. And uh, we, we tend to take on everyone's problems all day. Yeah. I don't have a moan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, 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 that's a massive thing in our trade. Like, um, we tend to talk about other people's problems all day. Mm. Really rather bubbling. You know, he might be running five minutes behind and then I'll do his head in. And then, you know, he might be running on lunch break and he's starving. Jake, for instance, the guy who likes to eat like 12 meals a day. You know what I mean? And it's, uh, it's letting them have a little moan. And when we all get together and we all have a good chinwag, it, it does do good for the boys, like, you know? Definitely. And, and I want to I wanna chat, um, you know, about before COVID ever existed. And I know you mentioned briefly about the support you guys give to lots of guys who are sitting in a chair. Like you were saying earlier, you've, you've heard so many different stories. And, you know, I think... From being one of your, you know, one of your customers, like since I had like really thick hair to now, or I'm bald as hell. <laughs> like you, you, sit, <laughs> you sit in the chair and you can just unload and like it's not, it's not like I wouldn't say you were, you were, you know, you were bad. You'd say you were one of my good mates. What, what's the common theme you see with men now? Like since obviously since you've been cutting hair, you know, I'm, I'm sure guys open up to you all the time. What would you say is the biggest theme? Is it money? Is, is it women? Misses. <laughs> That's <laughs> got to be up there, ah, Honestly, God, if I, I can tell you this straight, right? There is not one story in 13 years I have not heard. So you can sit in my chair and tell me anything, and I can go, yeah, you know, I can relate to that. I had a customer once and blah, blah, blah. But the main things are just stresses of life. Every mm. single customer that comes in, if he's got a missus, oh, my missus is doing my head in. Tell me about it, bro, what's happening? And blah 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 it goes from there it could be money it could be buying a house it's just a, you can imagine every general stress of life i don't know if it's just me maybe you know, other other barbers or other customers I've, I've had customers for a long time so they do um endear to me and open up quite uh, quite a lot to me and uh i mean i have to take that home with me as well don't forget 
I think it's because as well. (laughs) No, but when you're cutting hair now, if you think about it, from like me sitting in a chair, like a barber, it's it's such a personal service. You've got a guy touching your head and shaving you, blah, 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 coming really kind of close. So you just have this, when you use the same barber, you have this trust with them. And you just get into that conversation where you feel like you can offload, I suppose. And a barber is just designed, it's just part of their job role. They're designed to just listen and talk to you. And we always say, your barber's your counsellor. And I'll say tonight, I'll make a joke, I need some counselling Friday, which means I need my haircut and I'm on a shit week. Do you know what I mean? So it's... Yeah. Every Friday, me and John. And, it, and, it, and, it, and it's nothing better than when you're having your haircut and there's a full shop and you've got Jake cracking on and Joey over there and... And then everyone's having a little bit of banter. It is like that card you see these programs on Terry, like the film, the barbershop. You do that, yeah. get that kind of feel. So I suppose for a man, you go in there and you come out feeling fresh. And the, one of the big things that we did with Room, myself and Niall, when we sat down way before the doors and we didn't have the keys for the doors, was we built this kind of, it was more than just a haircut. So everything we've done in there, we've planned to a team. We said like, you know, I, I, I did like a thing where I spoke to lots of mums and I said, what do you expect when you go to barbershop as a woman with young kids? And they used to say things like, we feel intimidated going in some shops, swearing loud music. So we've always tried to make the vibe very fresh, as you know, play soft reggae music, that kind of stuff. So every detail is about welcoming anyone who wants to come in, whether you're a lady with young kids, grandparents, a man, whether you're straight, whether you're gay, whether you're black, whether you're white, whatever. Well, anyone's welcome, and the barbers are all ears. And I think that's the key, isn't it, night? I've got an, um, just to, to tell a little story, I've got a lady client, a, a female client, and um, obviously I, can't, I won't say her name and, and, or whatever, but she first came to me, um, I, th- I say me, she first came to a room, popped her head in, do you cut women's hair? I said, yeah, of course we do. I said, what are you looking to have? Anyway, one of my customers who was sat in the chair then, welcomed her and said oh yeah you definitely want to get your haircut with these guys they're the best that was coming from one of my clients so automatically my client someone who we've you know the, the our business model is attracted has then made our customer feel welcome as well so even our customers make our customers feel other customers feel welcome as well as our staff it's a good culture and, and funny enough as time's gone on i've cut i've cut this lady's hair regularly you now i cut her hair every four weeks and she's a screaming fairness but what i didn't realize but she, she really suffers with her mental health. She has really bad anxiety. She had um, postnatal de- depression yeah. and things like that. And over the past, let's say, four haircuts, she's really, really opened up. So even not, not so much for men. We're offering the same thing for, for females as well. Yeah. She doesn't like going to her hairdressers because she doesn't like the environment. But yet she likes coming to a barbershop because it's so neutral. It's not forced. Nothing's like, you know, too... Um, I don't know, sometimes a lady's hairdressers can be a little bit, you know what it's like when you get a group of ladies together, we all, we all know what it's like. It can be quite <laughs> a, a load of men together. No, but it can, though, can't it? Maybe she gets intimidated by the, the whole female thing, but no, she loves it. And just so happens she turns out that she had, um, you know, anxiety issues and things like this. And, and ever since, she called me once after her haircut and said, can I just thank you and say, uh, you know, what you've actually done for me and bringing on my confidence and I just want to thank you and your guys for, for what you've offered as a service. Like. So uh, it's quite, awesome. quite nice to have back sometimes. That's awesome. I want to, I want to ask, obviously, Matt as well. Matt, me and Matt speak about this quite, quite a lot. And it's something that, that Niall and John will see all the time is the pressures on men. And, and I think a lot of it stems from, from like social media. 
because you, you know it's like you've got boys getting already done for the weekend, having their haircuts, going to going to flannels or whatever to get you know to get the best sort of clothes, and a lot of that is fake and, and set up. Do you see a lot of that where you think like you hundred percent? You with a client, you think to yourself, "Listen, mate, I want I want to try and put on the right track." You know, yeah, I, I, I see from a mile away the, the, the guys you're kind of referring to. Go on, yeah. Um, so, so tell me about that, John and Miles. So tell me about you know your sort of experiences with 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 people who are sort of in that trap of social media. Do you know I I love doing this kind of stuff, and anyone that knows me in the business world, I always have these kind of conversations with people. I was talking to someone about it today. And um, I'm, I'm a realist, I'm very much, I'm a family man, I don't drink a lot, I don't take drugs, I never have, it's just not my thing, each their own, that's just where I'm at. Um, I just work hard, and the designer thing, believe it or not, doesn't really, you know, I don't go to flannel shopping, the odd little thing here and there, I appreciate that, if I can afford it. The problem with me is, I guess I look at people from outside and you see people, the younger guys especially, is they, I think they look at social media and think that they've got to be dripped in this look, you know, the white teeth and they've got to be shredded. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But ultimately, there's like steps in life you follow. And I, I think it's arse backwards because you waste all your money on stuff you don't need. And then really you should buy a house straight away as soon as you possibly can. Because then it gets easier, believe it or not. But instead, they make it harder. It gets further and further away. And ultimately, what do you gain out of wearing a Gucci t-shirt over a plain black one, really? You know, it's, it doesn't really benefit. You just empty your bank, you know? And, and I think a lot of people who I see um, that act like this and buy these kind of things are the ones that probably can't really afford it as well. And there's nothing worse than, 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 than spending on this lifestyle you, you don't really need and you can't really affords because it's just it's not going to help you your headspace is it and social media i think tricks a lot of people oh, I, I agree with, oh, go on go on Ron. go on, go on. I, was, I was going to ask you what are your thoughts because obviously you, you're in the chair and you see it more than probably most i i see it a lot and it's, it's difficult because i'm asking someone to spend money on their image with me so you know we're a we're a we're a premium barbershop if you like we charge premium prices um so from my end, you know, I, I think you should, I can't not say you've got to spend money on your image because that's what our industry is about. But at the same time, I like to give advice with my clients, seeing where they are in their life. You know, I've got some customers who might love that kind of designer lifestyle, mm. but yet they still live at home with their mum, which, which isn't a problem. But I like to say to them, you know, well, why don't you spend some money invested in yourself? And in, in like a house or your longevity and your pension and things like that, as opposed to spending all the money that you've got now. So for me, it's kind of like um, just giving experience, really. And um, I'm the same as, as my brother, John. I, I don't really do the whole, well, look, I'm sat in a, in a room t-shirt and a room hat. Like, you know, this is pretty much how I live my life, even on my days off. Yeah. I'm not into the designer lifestyle either, personally. I've got two pairs of Zara jeans and that'll do me. Um, I go by, if you, can't afford, if you can't afford to buy it twice, then you can't afford it. So when um, just Jay-Z giving, said, wasn't it? <laughs> What's that? Is that something that Jay-Z said? I'm sure I've seen that as a, as on a... On a I've, I've seen it. I, funny enough, I'm glad you said that because that's what I've seen it yeah. as a youngster. And, and I completely agree. And that was a massive yeah. stepping stone for me. That's what I took from social media rather than uh, an influence like a... a you got five of those T-shirts now. You must be rolling in it. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I've got plenty of these. I've got a couple of hats as well. But no, no, no it's, 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 social media, it, it baffles me because 
I don't do Facebook. I just do. I've got a Twitter account I never use because um, I can't be bothered because you're reading stuff for so long. It's time consuming and I'm, I'm busy. I've got an Instagram and I love using Instagram. I love using the business account for JDS. And obviously we've got the room account as well. And I love my personal thing because it's like a modern day scrapbook for me. If you look at my Instagram, the majority of my posts are my kids, to be honest with you. Some people might look at it and say another post of his kids, but whatever. It's my modern day scrapbook that I'll always look back on and my kids can look back on, you know. But I just think social media is so powerful that it absolutely kills some people. Um, I, I do think they should do things like take likes away because I think that would be a massive... Um, a massive thing is then you could I think people would post something more confidently because they would know if people liked it or not. And then you can't you, you're not looking for that acceptance. Do you know what I mean? What's that? Anyone seen the social dilemma on on Netflix? Yeah. I've seen, I've seen half yeah. of it. Yeah. I had that talks about what you're talking about there and you make some good points. Hmm. I don't know, it's um yeah I could there's a I could talk about it all day, but the problem is as well is I'm not Gary V. I'm not, you know, I only I base things on my experiences. I listen to lots of podcasts. I listen to your podcasts. I listen to um, all sorts. And a lot of my stuff is focused around business because it just helps my headspace. But I think I'm fortunate that I get to digest information quite logically. I think that's just the way I am. And I think it's just something that's come from my mum. And I've got a great wife behind me and things like that. If I didn't have that, maybe I'd think different. But that that's kind of my foundation that helps me think straight. I think some people, they maybe just rely on the social media and it's all they know. It's, they come from a young, I mean, when I was younger, we didn't have social media. So if I wanted to speak to a girl, for example, I had to phone the house phone. What about when mum and dad answering? <laughs> oh, so please, do you know what I mean? And then if, you know, and I had to go around their house and call for them. Do you know what I mean? This days, if you've got kids sending bloody naughty pictures, just like that, for nothing. Do you know what I mean? So it's, I come from a completely different generation, really. But um, I see a lot of kids. I say kids. I mean, I'm only 29. But I see a lot of people younger than me coming into the shop with these, with these outfits on. And I literally stand there and think, how the fuck do you afford that? Because I'm, I can't afford to, to, to wear that. And I think, you know, are you putting your parents under pressure for that? Are you spending every single penny of your monthly earnings on that? And I just think that if they took some of that away... Although it's good for business, social media, if they took some of the pressure away on these youngsters, maybe they just do, you know, do that a little bit better in, and as far as, uh, you know, just investing and spending all the mm. things on. I think, I think John sort of hit the nail on the head earlier when he said pe people skip that the hard work part and, and go, yeah. go broke trying to look rich. So yeah. obviously, Niall, you know, John, Matt, you all run, you know, really successful businesses. What, what would your message be to... Because we have a lot of messages from, 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 from men that I've spoken to, to guys and, and women over the past, say, two, three years who are probably, you know, in, in a job they hate, um, living for the weekends, but online they're portraying a different life where they're out with the lads, with the girls, they're, they're going into debt, designer stuff. What would your message to somebody like that be? Matt, shall I go first? Yeah, on one um, part of the spectrum is like John said earlier, is invest in everything. But I find that there's a social acceptance now. That was why people want these brands. Because one story I had is I had a, an old iPhone, which I'd come to end of contract with, and I was doing upgrades, so as you do with the old one, you sell it. 
And the, the gentleman who bought it off me actually said, look, we've had to invest in this phone for our son because he started a new school and he thinks he'll get bullied with his current one. So on one part of me is saying that, yeah, invest your money, do this. If, if the school's taught them things that they could use in life rather than how to, you know, photosynthesize a leaf and all them things that I learned when I was in school, then they'd have a better head and they should just leave it. Now, mm-hmm. they leave school and now all they've got is social media. And as you said, portrayal of the perfect life is on there. So they think that's just a standard. And then they have to think, well, I have to live to that standard or I'm going to be an outcast. But then... Actually, it's a good point about the school thing, Matt, actually, because I suppose if I was to um, analyse my own, my own behaviours, I suppose I'm a bit of a hypocrite, really, because it's easy for me to say what I've just said about material things, but then my children have both got iPhones, you know, because yeah. I can afford to give it to them. Um, it's not a show-off thing. They just, I, if anyone knows me, you know I'm Apple's biggest fan. I'm statue now drifting Apple. Apple Watch, Apple iPad Pro, MacBook, I just, it's just my thing. You know, <laughs> I left like, control over it. My wife keeps a track of it all. So I suppose in, in, in one sense, I don't have that problem with my kids because they've got the best phone, but they haven't got the best phone because I want them to have the best phone, just because that's the phone I bought them. Believe it or not, we have quite lengthy deep conversations with my two older children about this kind of stuff and I'm constantly pumping into them don't show off blah 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 I mean we had a bit of a drama with my daughter in a shoe shop the other week in JD because she wanted trainers and she made a comment like I don't I'm not getting trainers because my friends say I've always got everything and blah 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 and they'll say I'm a show off and I thought how weird is that for my daughter to say to me I don't want a new pair of trainers when she needed them because one of her friends would say you've got another pair of trainers you know so I suppose really I'm a bit of a hypocrite because I'm giving my kids, I'm, I'm, I go without it myself in one sense, but I'm giving my kids the life that kids are dreaming about. So I suppose I got that battle really, where I'm trying to balance that and, and not come, keep them grounded and not come across as show off You know, it's quite, it's quite tough. Every parent would do the same though, wouldn't they? They wouldn't let yeah. their, their child be deprived just because they think they should. It's, you know, I, in the same position as you, if I had children, I'd do this, exactly the same. But mm. I think... I think I'd like to teach them the value of money as well. Yeah. So I, I had a conversation with um, one of the guys who work with us and he said his daughter loves YouTube videos. And he was saying about um, how she was doing in school and whatnot. And I was like, well, why don't you link sort of something as simple as pocket money to say, well, rather than just give it to you, I want you to watch one YouTube video on a subject that she could learn something from. <laughs> Tell me what you've learned from it. And that's it. Because it's on a platform that they sort of already engage in. It's not saying, if my parents said to me when I was younger, get upstairs, read that book. You're not having your pocket money. <laughs> I would like, I would pretty much shit a brick because I don't like reading. But if yeah. it's something they will engage in and they perhaps can learn from. Plus, if you've got to watch a 20-minute YouTube video, which could bore you, then you're going to think, well, I had to watch that to earn that tenor or whatever it is. <laughs> so I think it's trying to uh, make it tangible with, with them learning and learning the value of money because I was in Nando's before and as um, Niall said his kids they were all dripping in designer gear eating you know a 20 quid meal whereas me and my friends used to save 50 pence of all pocket money each day just to be yeah. you know four cans and a bag of chips on a Friday. <laughs> yeah. I know John he loves, he loves Apple he also loves Starbucks <laughs> Actually, I'll tell you this, I'm down to one a week if that. I give up coffee for, for COVID. Really? 
there, I stopped drinking coffee. I literally have one a week, if that now. And that, I, I, I don't even, I, I just genuinely went off it, to be honest. To be honest with you, actually, I was, um, I've got a bit of blood pressure problems because I put a little bit of weight on and, um, and stress as well. And it was just advised you should cut down on coffee and things like that. And I just saved me a fortune, I'll be honest. Yeah, but going back yeah. to the answer to your question was what advice for people that are trying to get there is my view based on my experience is time and patience. And I say this to everyone because if I can start a business and I'm not, I didn't go to business school, I got my trade. I had absolutely no idea about business. So I sat there with a pad when I started JDS and went right bullet points, let's start a business. So if I can do that, then everyone can. But what's got me to where I am, apart from, you know, making sensible decisions and all that, it's just patience and time. Because time is like, it's like your best sales money, anything in life. As time goes on, you mature, you look back and you evaluate and go, okay, I do that a little bit different if I do it next time. And time just carries you through. And as long as you have that continuity and you just always strive to be better, never peak. I always say that, always forward, never peak. And then you, you always got that, you yeah. just always forward, basically. Definitely. And that's, that's what's got me to where I am. It's just that, that, that aspect, really. What, what I found, certainly with the younger generation, when I say younger, you know, your, your 16 to 20s, is the lack of resilience. So, like, mm. people who, who get knockbacks will just give up. And I think yeah, something yeah. we need to build, especially, especially in schools where, you know, you, you see it with, you know, the X factors and you see it, you know, with young people trying to get into football academies. I think there's one lad this week who committed suicide because he was dropped from Man City, I believe. I think we need to build resilience and, and, and teach people, you know, that failure is good sometimes. It's, it's all about bouncing back. It's where you learn. Definitely. And, and I know, you know, especially, you know, you know, the three of you guys who are all in business. It's, it's how you learn and, and how you get back and how you get back on track. It's, you know, it's, it's part of the journey, isn't it? You look at any of the major entrepreneurs in our, in our era at the moment, right? I can't even name all of them. But if you look at all of their background stories, I think it's one of them, Colonel Sanders, or no, not Colonel Sanders, what's his name, but Colonel from KFC or whatever. Yeah, Colonel Sanders, yeah, the chicken, chicken bucket. I think he got denied over 60 times his chicken recipe to restaurants and things like that. And he ended up hitting his peak and making his money in his latter years of life, like in his 60s and 70s. He actually succeeded with his, with his, um, with his recipe. So mm. you teach that kind of lesson to kids, and um, I say kids and young men or young women or whatever it may be, that, you know, you've just got to keep pushing and trying and whatever gets put in your way, you have no choice but to make it work. You yeah, I suppose, I suppose listen to the right people as well. That's another good point I always say. Listen to the people who you, who you just know are giving you decent information. I mean, I've got people I, I work with on a business level, maybe people who are a little bit behind me and they kind of ask me for my advice. And um and, and they, I guess they trust me. And you again, just listen to people who you know is giving you the right information. And people got your best interests at heart. I mean, I got nothing to gain by passing my information on to someone. I stick in my in my own lanes. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's another good thing to do. I think failure is good in in life, in any aspect of life, whether it be business or anything. Um, if you were going to go for a run and you wanted to beat your time when you you didn't get your time. You know, just push, push, push. I think it's a mental battle as well as a, you know, as a financial battle or anything like that. You just got to keep going and going and going. I remember when now I was working with somewhere else, um, and 
I, I, you know, people say to you all the time, like, I'm guessing, get your own shop, get your own shop. How, how, how is that for you now? Because obviously you've you made a massive success. You've always been a successful barber yes. since, since, since day one. But how many barriers did you face? And, and did you have the confidence and, and having John at your side as well? How was that for you? Yeah, I got, off a, I got off a daily, you know, and told daily, why don't you do it on your own? Why don't you just come on? Like, and I had, I had uh, business uh, customers at the time who'd say, right, I'll, I'll be your silent partner. You know, I'll throw the money at you and whatever. One, for me, it was, I had to wait until I was at the right frame. I was in the right frame of mind to do it. I used to blow money. You know, if I, whatever money I used to make in a month, I'd, and John will back me up on this one, I used to live month to month. If I had 500 quid, I'd spend 550 on trainers or whether it be my car or going out on a piss or whatever it may be. And then for me, it was getting in the right frame of mind to commit myself to, to myself, obviously then to my brother, who was my business partner, on putting everything that I had into this business. So I just had to wait until I was at the right frame of mind to do it. And then yeah. I think I think I did it. We done it. I, I say I did. I think we done it at the right time. If it wasn't, I mean, it, it, the conversation went like this. I said, John, I said, I can't do it anymore. I said, I cannot work for anyone else anymore. I can't be told. I said, I think now was the right time. And he said, well, I'll bowl this. He said, I'll go in here with you, 50-50, and we'll make it happen. And that's, and, and that's what happened. And that was the turning point big time. I think you have to wait until you're ready. Because if Who I have to say to you, as I did when I was 19, money-wise, I, 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 I don't think the barbershop would have reached what it's reached now, if that makes sense. Is that, is that, was that a confidence thing, though? No, was that you being confident in your ability, or is that your, your business skills or being with John? Just knowing what I want, really. Going from... It's um, sacrificing to succeed, isn't it? Sacrificing my lifestyle, sacrificing buying clothes, sac sacrificing going for food, and sacrificing my time with friends, and, and all, all of the above, really. I had to completely commit to sacrificing everything that I had into the business the same as what John did when John started his business and probably the same with Matt if, with his business like any business owner you have to sac you have to sacrifice everything you have every hour of your day every penny that you, you earn and you've got to remember as well that people people don't take notice of all those beginning stages so if I said to someone what car do I drive they'd say straight away You've got a Range Rover because that's all anyone clocks. But if I said to her, "What car did I have three cars ago?" They wouldn't have a clue because no one took notice of the box or Astra I had, did they? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So I suppose it's going through those motions as well. While I hate, believe it or not, I don't hate it, but I find it uncomfortable because lots of people say things to me like, "Hurt you and your money" and all that kind of thing. But when you know the real me, you know that I genuinely money. I, I, I don't like. I think money's the root of all evil. It, I, I have money. I earn, I earn money, I spend it, I spoil my kids, I go on holidays, and I make the most of it. But believe it or not, it's, it's the last thing I think about every day. You know, it's probably the, the most important thing I should be doing at JDS every day is sending the invoices out, and it's always the bottom of my list because my customer service comes first, you know? And um, there's that aspect as well. Amazing. I, I got like, oh, said this, this podcast as well, this Zoom has been bad, I thought it was gonna be, it's been amazing. We've covered so, so many topics. It's, it's been Don't forget as well, Nye, that there was many a time where we sat there when we walked into that barber shop. Now, bear in mind that my, my task was what well, Niall's task was to cut it and keep going to earn money to start pulling towards the shop. My task was to find the shop. I went to four shops 
and all four of them turned me away for a barber shop. The one guy pretty much looked at me like we didn't have a clue what we were on about and I had no money and blah, blah, blah. The other guy said, no, we're not having a barber shop in this property. And then two months later, put a barber shop there. Okay. And then, and then when we finally got the shop and we walked into this absolute shithole and when how the fuck we had to make this into a barber shop then, you know, so there was all these little challenges and, and, and the money aspect as well. And the time, it was tough, wasn't it? Well, I, I, I left, I left my previous employment. I was going to name drop them, but that's, that's dangerous. Isn't it? <laughs> yeah, don't name drop. <laughs> <laughs> I left my previous employment. Um, with the aim to go into, we had these plans in place for months before I left my employment, right? And um, we take on, we took on the deed, to, uh, the, the the lease for the building, and so on. And the day I left, we started the ball rolling. A week later, I had a, a letter, a legal letter, come through saying that I couldn't work or open within half a mile after six months of termination of my contract. So this just put this put things six months later. So we had to find a means of, you know, paying for this building, fitting it out, and me still paying my personal bills for six months, which then took eight months. And these are the things that, you know, the, the, going back to the, the young kids don't see is the struggle. All they see is the outcome. They don't see the sleep. They don't see the financial stress. When I went to B&Q one time, and I'm like, do you know what? I don't even know if I can afford the bag of plaster. <laughs> Let's, not talk, <laughs> Let's not talk about the bags of plaster, John. <laughs> there was this one moment when I had a meeting and um, I was dressed smart for a meeting. I had to go and pick up a load of plaster from, the, from Selco's or whatever. And I filled up this plaster. It was like 20 bags or whatever it was. And I had to cart it all into the shop. And I was absolutely covered in plaster. And I was late to my meeting. And I just had this moment where I just went, fuck my life. <laughs> like I was covered in plaster. I had to go over, get changed. I was like, thanks, guys, I can bed or whatever. Don't forget the arguments we had over there. I, like, nothing's ever made me and my brother argue. But the one time we'd, um, we'd spaced out every barber chair in the shop. So I, I've walked in and John's done all the electrics and wired everything down and all this. And, and I went Perfect. to the, the barber set. And I think they need to be further apart. And that was it then, wasn't it? It was absolute death, bro. My head was gone. <laughs> Because tonight, yeah. at least, think you just move a socket over. I'm like, we've got to pull all the cables out. <laughs> God, it was mad. Well, this is the thing, see? I think the, the, the youth of today just see things going from, you know, zero to hero. They miss the whole journey. Yeah. But the key in the whole circle of, of that, whilst keeping JDS again, for myself and now, we were quite lucky, is we've got quite a big, close-knit family. There's a circle of brothers wives, partners, mums, you know, and I think the key is that we've always got that, we're lucky that we got that support, so when you go home and you're having a bit of a moan, you've got someone to moan to, listens, and I think that's the key, and I, I guess some people don't have that, you know, they go into a lonely place and it must be quite tough, and then they rely on listening to things like this or podcasts, yeah. and, you know. In the same breath, we're always, we're the type of people as well, as regardless of how well business is doing and things like that, I think some people can, can you know, get on their high horse a bit and get a bit show off here, but me and John are the type of people, probably the same as Matt, you know, being in this protective circle as well, is we just like to give as much as we can. And if we can give everyone the same advice, we'd all do a lot better together. So, I mean, I don't think yeah. it's something that um, should be... And, but what people need to realise you all support each other and build together, didn't you? You know? So, like, 
subscribers on social media should promote each other and because there's enough work out there for everyone the same as jds like i have no problem with liking photos of local companies that put up even though they're my competitors but you'll find that lots of them won't like my picture because it's quite bitchy people look at instagram like look at them doing that job you know yeah. but i think support is quite important i think social media it's amazing how many people follow you on social media and don't actually um engage you know and i just i just think it's there's, a, there's something in that and sometimes that's where acceptance in some situations could be quite nice for someone because you're not putting up a post to say look at my new gucci loafers you're putting up a post to say look what i've achieved look at our haircut would you come in and have that and then someone says oh i like the look of that you know it's that kind of aspect you know yeah, yeah. Spot, spot on mate and you know I, i've known you both for, for quite a while now and You've never been sort of arrogant anybody or anything. You've always helped being helped protect and share the post. So I thank you loads for that. And, you know, class with mates. Um, and like, like I said earlier, tonight's been amazing. Like tonight's been class and it'd be good if we could do it again um, when, when you're both free, maybe next month. So we've covered quite a lot. I think lots of people will find that, that information useful. Yeah. Mm.